Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans. Welcome to episode number 38 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. We are back after an enforced absence from myself, the Twisted Genius Dean Ash, and my co-host, the East London boy himself, born within the sound of bow bells and all that, Liam Hap. Liam, welcome back on the WCW Halls. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. And I just want to reassure our listeners that when Dean says that we're back from a lengthy absence brought on by technical issues, I want to reassure you that I have not accidentally re-uploaded an old episode. This is the third time. We've had to bounce back from this. And once again, it's my goddamn laptop. This time, after two issues with a screen, one which seemed to be negligence on my part, fair enough. The second time, they clearly hadn't done a good enough job of fixing it. And there were little signs, and then lo and behold, it's back in shop for another month. This time, uh, I my MacBook was on charge and left to be on charge and we had a uh, a blown fuse in the house which has caused the battery to completely stop working so the computer was still fine but the and i've got three um, magsafe chargers in my house and none of them would work and so basically the batteries ticked on down and ticked on down and ticked on down and then it won't come back on again and after stressing and getting all bent out of shape we've checked it out and yeah we've had to put it in shop again but we're back it's back plus plus we've also had, yeah it's not just you i i have moved house it's selfish long, bastard yes it's been a long stressful busy process but uh, i have i've moved house i'm in my new pad i'm in the new as towers on the south coast um and I'm in my what I think is going to be my new regular podcast place in the kitchen in what we call we've called Breakfast Island. It's a it's, it's just a little little bit of a little bit of a table that juts out from a work surface, and we've got a couple of bar stools and it's 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 nice and comfy and I can yeah you know, I can see this being my regular my regular spot to do podcasts just to just to bring it to life for uh, for you guys at home. And uh, and of course, you know, moving house, we had to celebrate with uh, a little bit of bubbly. <laughs> See what you did there. Well, AEW was last weekend. It's the new WCW. I, I reckon in in like twenty, thirty years time, there'll be two two people, maybe us, crotchety old bastards, doing a because AEW podcast. Well, the case of the missing title belt will be the first entry on the uh, Timerpedia of low AEW if they if they build <laughs> one. I str- I struggle to track that down. I don't know if it's been taken off web. I'm not sure. Maybe our listeners could help out if there is like a a stored cache of it. But that low TNA archive was amazing, and it really brings home just how much fuckery they got up to. Bearing in mind, it's one thing that we cover uh, a deceased promotion that had all sorts of stuff happen, and we've only like scraped the tip of the iceberg with these episodes so far. But when you consider that TNA directly followed WCW and had that example of what not to do, and yet basically made all of the same mistakes and some of their own, it's amazing. So I think before we get to because AEW, there will definitely be a because TNA. Accepting applications from anyone who watches more <laughs> TNA than Dean. <laughs> I need something to do. Get in touch. Oh, man. Now, um, before we get on to uh, go this, this is a, a watch along of episode number 12 of Monday Nitro. So if you want to watch along with us, uh, if you want to use this time to get your 
your network, your YouTube, whatever it is you want to be watching. This is episode number 12 of of uh, WW Nitro, which was originally broadcast on the 20th of November 1995. So that's that's uh, if you want to set yourself up there. But we had a slightly because WW themed uh, podcast day out, didn't we? The, just this past Saturday. Yes, we had a lovely little romantic date, didn't we? It was it was beautiful and touching, not like that. Well, you say that. A little bit like that. There mm. you go. Yeah. But we went to uh, to the Copper Box in London. Yes, we did. And I, t- I told him, because I had been on work assignments to cover boxing a couple of times before, I was uh, re- really painting a good picture of the place to Dean about how it is like a a York Hall with more seats, how there's, you really can't have a, a bad view of the ring. You know, it's going to be a great place. You, you'll wonder why there's not more wrestling and general fight sports style, you know, with that Coliseum set up stuff Ooh. in that building. And we walked in and Dean took one look and he completely agreed with me. He was, he was bowled over by just how nicely set up it was for a wrestling event. But then it turned out that you can find the Bayview because we basically had the worst seats in the building. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we were at New Japan Pro Wrestling's Royal Quest. Um, well, I, you say it was bad seats. The only thing, the only downside was that we were, we were behind the big screen on the rampway. So we, we got to see the wrestlers come. <laughs> out the split second before most of the crowd did but other than that we couldn't see any of the screens but we know for next time if we go next time if there is a next time uh we know where to where, where to see ourselves but but obviously there is a connection there because back in the day back in in fact at this very period 1995 there was um a working relationship between wcw and new japan which we'll see shortly um, when when we get to Starcade. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully the uh, the technical difficulties are behind us. We're both eager to make up for lost time and get some content pumped out. And if we do, it will involve us hurtling towards Starcade at the speed of light because we're very close to World War Three, I believe, with our mm-hmm. watch along. So Starcade's only around the corner. And that's where we'll have a traditional weird concept during their flagship show which we've ranted about before, but at least this one will feature some good wrestling. So when, when you say we're, we're hurtling towards World War Three, do you mean the pay-per-view or just what's going on in Westminster at the moment? Would you like to pick one? I don't think there's a wrong answer. <laughs> no, there isn't, no. But um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it, it was a really good show, top to bottom, different, different to, um, to, to the shows we're used to in that there was no interval, but... But the, the whole show flowed really well and went pretty quickly, didn't it? Yeah, and it's remarkable when you consider just how little they lent on as far as crutches and gimmicks. They followed their their traditional rigid format. They had a set amount of featured title belts, had three singles title belts and one tag team title belt. And they had four other cards before all of those which were all tag matches, which were all, you know, stable battles, intertwined single matches that are coming up. This is very much how New Japan does their uh, week by week, like touring before they get to a big show. Uh, And there was just, there was, you know, there was one where you had uh, plenty of interference in Kenta versus Ishii, which is not a surprise considering they've like Kenta's joined the Bullet Club. But, um, yeah, they really didn't deviate much. You didn't have like hardcore matches. You didn't have big stunts or anything. They weren't wildly alternating between like you know singles tag six man just to try and keep it. They stuck to their guns, and yet it still flowed so well. And that's an incredible compliment for me. Uh, and I was really happy with that. Yeah, I mean the the, the opening few matches we you know, were over very quickly, and I was kind of looking at my watch, thinking, my goodness, yeah, we're going to be finished well well early here but as the show went on the matches got longer and and yeah as you say it didn't it didn't feel like a new japan show for brits it was just a new japan show i think the the only concession possibly was that zack saber jr got a more high profile singles bout than he would get ordinarily but um the only the other brit on the show will osprey you know he was in a, a junior heavyweight tag match on, on the sort of point in the card you'd expect it to be so 
yeah, it was very much um, a, a genuine show. The only other concession was that um, we had uh, a uh, an English language ring announcer, um, uh, a chap called uh, Slick Lombardo, Geo, uh, to his friends who uh, I've known for many years, who is a belies his inexperience. He's only been ring announcing for a short space of time, but he's phenomenal at what he does. Well-deserved opportunity. But the only thing to me is, you know, I do love the Japanese ring announcer. It's one of my little my my little foibles. I've always loved them. Uh, so I was a bit disappointed that we didn't have them, but well, I can totally, totally understand the reason why. Well, we, there actually was someone doing Japanese uh announcements from time to time especially on yeah. the five minute ten minute warning that was it really confused me how they're switching back and forth between the two it yeah. was like that pay-per-view we covered recently where michael buffer would tag in for capetta seemingly at random moments in the card rather yeah. than just doing the main event it might be the havoc 93 but no i, I do have to say that zack sabre jr has been rotated in and out of major matches every now and then so far in new japan he he won the new japan cup uh i think not this year year before the year before for yeah. an unsuccessful challenge at the world title they bring him in as a breath of fresh air every now and then and yeah it made sense to have him in uh, yeah. a featured match for this one could just to give it a little extra british flavor but at the end of the day it was about tanahashi getting his hand raised it's so great to have guys like that coming in and having big matches over here yeah that the whole thing was fantastic and as you and i I think we're both in the same position where we were watching the main event with Minoru Suzuki and Okada unfolding and we didn't dislike anything, but it kind of just was there. And it just, I think it just drew us both in. I, I felt us literally both being grabbed by this uh, unseen force out of our seats and just drawn to the ring. Yeah. I mean, because we kind of were thinking, yeah, the first sort of 10 minutes, this is, I, apart from the fact that this is going going long, given the pace they were going at, it just didn't seem to have much happening. And then all of a sudden, it, it, it just cranked up a few gears and, and it, it, it was beautifully worked. Yeah, the more I think about in retrospect, because towards the end, it was it was brilliant. But if you think about it, you, you had Suzuki was kind of wrestling the same match all throughout. He was doing the tough guy thing. He was stiffing Okada. He was giving Okada chances to hit him back just to show he's, you know, doing the tough man routine. Mm. And it's a shame he weren't actually... I, I, I thought about it and I thought if he was actually... Once he took control after the three-night process, if he was actually going for pinfalls at every opportunity and looking to you know, win the world title that is that has eluded him for, for so long... Uh, it would have made it so much better because the story later on was that Okada was going along with the whole, yeah, put my hands behind my back and take your best shot sort of thing they were doing with each other. And the story that Okada would almost go on a suicide mission to actually put his hands behind his back and offer Suzuki a chance to forearm him in the face was a way of actually drawing him into a, a, a part of his game that he he weren't ready for in a world title match. So it's a shame if, if they'd have had him actually trying to win the match a bit more, but then he took Okada's bait, I think it would have told a much better story. But otherwise, that was my only minor quibble, is that you kind of had to get into the story halfway through the season, so to speak. Yeah. But um, uh, you know, I, I think the the venue, the Copper Box, was was a fantastic venue, easy to get to on public transport. You know, part of, uh, part of London that's easy to reach. Um, the the uh, promo that um Okada did at the end basically intimated they'll be back next year, and um with with uh, the G1 Climax tournament being moved to the autumn for 2020, so it's not to clash with the Tokyo Olympics, it does make me wonder if they'll have a, a day of the G1 Climax over here. Oh, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Ooh. I think anyone who, who hasn't tracked, because it can be hard to follow everything of the G1 Climax. My advice to you, if you've never watched any of the G1 Climax, 
pick a day that suits you, any day. Don't don't worry too much about following the tournament. Just pick one card. They're usually late morning lunchtime if you're watching from the UK. Just find one and just watch whether matches are on there. You'll get drawn into the concept to the point where even if you can't watch it live, you will track it just like you track the Premier League and things like that. And then you'll find yourself making time to watch it even if you have to watch it after it airs live. Uh, just give yourself that one day to get drawn in. You won't regret it. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. Right. Shall we uh, Shall we crack on with the uh, with the show, with Nitro? Let's do this. I'm looking to get back to this. I love doing these Nitros. Okay. So we are, uh, we are queued up. Episode 12 of Monday Nitro from November the 20th, 1995. I'm on zero 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 zero. Uh, I'm trying to scroll down to it because my phone has sent me. I'm still getting used to this new WWE network on the mobile. Basically, yeah. it's very slick on my television, uh, but the mobile was a bit confusing. I'll just have to get used to where everything is now. But I'm tracking it down. November twentieth. Um, I'm getting there. Right. No problem. Gives our gives our listeners uh, the chance to do the same. Just yes, get do the same. Ready to uh, sit through any adverts that might be on there, whatever, and uh, get to the point where you're ready to click play and hit those fun, see those burning buildings. Yeah, I'm here. So if you want to queue up the burning buildings, let's get this okay. show on the we road. Will, we will be pressing play in three, two, one, now. I see some buildings about to burn. Oh, they're burning. We do sound like pyromaniacs doing this, don't we? Oh, yeah. I'm okay with it. <sighs> Nitro opening credits. How I've missed you. Are you on? I'm on. And Just we checking. Are, uh, we are live as live can get. <laughs> on TNT, which of course is the channel that AEW will be on. Yeah, funny that. And they were sniffing around expired trademarks of pay-per-view names. So, something's afoot there. Yes. But then you saw that if you saw Tully and Arn interfering in one of the marquee matches on the pay-per-view. <laughs> and uh, Pepe is dressed up in a... Like the Macho Man. <laughs> kind of, yeah. In a cow pattern. And we have Hulk Hogan and Sting live on Nitro for the first time. Because just by pure coincidence, WWF are coming off the Survivor Series where the world title changed on the Sunday. And this is a live Nitro with uh, Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels' main event. Yeah. And uh, hang on a second. This this isn't Starcade 1997. What are you trying to pull on me? This is WCW spunking a main event up the wall to just try and get a rating, which is which was the uh, which was the style of the time, I believe. Yeah, the fashion. but basically the essence of Nitro. Yeah, oh yeah, Goldberg Hogan. <laughs> he knows his character. At least he's keeping to his character, anti-Hogan, regardless of who he's up against. Bear in mind, Hogan's still doing this. Uh, I am a bit dark, I am a bit heelish, identity crisis, mental nervous breakdown he's going well, through. Well, yeah, I was, I, was, I was going to say, he is about, he's basically having some kind of breakdown, isn't he? Yeah, uh, and he'll continue to do so until he finally found that ticket back to the top with a new world order. Yes, and here comes the only man to no-sell for the Steiners and get away with it, Scott Norton. Yeah, he also no-sold North Korea and got away with it. <laughs> Do you remember that story? Oh, what a story, was it? He was talking to his wife and oh. said, oh, here comes Shark. So, at least we know yeah. with, with with these two, we know there's a pro- they have been building up to this for a few weeks. Yes. They don't Shark- like each other. No. Shark has jumped Scott Norton before he could get in the ring, and they're now brawling at ringside. But, um, yeah, this isn't the first confrontation they've had, is it? 
They keep them short and inoffensive. They're two big dudes who don't like each other. You can, you can live with it as content on the show, can't you? Yeah, and trust me, I've met them both. They are both big dudes. Mm. I mean, Earthquake Shark, John Tenter, was... So he was a lot taller than you ever thought he was. He was just massive. He was massive all round, big and you know, big and tall. Not only that, but Love physically that. imposing. This isn't like yes. Carly or El Gigante where they walk so awkwardly and they yes. and they look like they don't know what they're doing. And uh, and we've spoken about this on some of the episodes with guests like Mike Quackenbush. Uh, you've got to be able to keep your your game face on while you're wrestling. And I can only imagine, because I don't wrestle myself, how hard it is to to run these routines, run these spots, uh, coordinate with each other over things, and also keep the, the actor's face of, I don't like you, I'm really dangerous, I'm yeah. going to hurt you. It can't be easy. Well, well that that's where you you see with with guys who are learning, you can see at first you can almost see the cogs turning because yeah, you mm. can see in their face like, right, I've got to do this next. Then I'm doing this. Then I'm doing this. And they're so focused and so busy on that. that as you say, the body language, the facials drop. And it's almost like learning to drive that, you know, eventually you don't have to think about changing gears or putting an indicator on or looking in your mirror because it comes naturally. Yeah. And it's the same thing happens with wrestling. And that's then when they start adding those bits, like the facial expressions, the, call outs to the crowd whatever and that's when you can see people becoming more experienced and more confident yeah this is why i always like john tent he was never the most agile or best you know quote-unquote working big man oh it's over big yeah big power slam not the not the uh tightest power slam in the world but you know got but him, it worked got because over. you would imagine that norton even norton would have a hard time getting him over yeah it looks labored in a good way but yeah i, I like these two men as i was saying for, for that very reason they look so natural in the ring and this is not over yeah but i mean we we had a we had a great looking um belly-to-belly suplex from Shark earlier on on Norton. Yeah, and that's the thing. You don't see many people manhandling Scott Norton like that. You don't see many people manhandling Shark like that. Here's the... uh... It looks better on the replay, actually. He just didn't... He didn't go down with him as much as you'd like to on an ideal sort of Jim Neidhart-style power slam. Yeah. did the job still the lift was impressive you could hear the crowd were like oh he's got him up this was you know but yeah again again their segment short inoffensive and it worked that venue they're at is pretty much copper box sized i'd say actually oh we've got rick flair and eddie guerrero next i wonder who's sitting in the equivalent of our seats from royal quest with the cables dangling in front of them and the back, the back of the big screen. Yeah, and I just got to point out they also the copper box has two built-in screens facing each other, you know, north and south in the place, and they elected not to put them on, which was disappointing because, you know, everyone would have seen the promos that way. Yeah. We were we were far from the only guys who did not have a view of the screen on the stage. But on the other hand, we're close to the uh, beers and the pisses, so you know you can't. Yes. Although in typical fashion, the one right near us would not take card. So I, for the, the second time around, I actually had to go all the way down to the adjacent uh, kiosk so I could pay by card for some more beers. And we've got uh, Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart being interviewed by Mean Gene now. But Dean. Dean. Yeah. Kevin's not dressed up as an old lady. No, he's not. <sighs> he's a grown man with paint on his forehead. This show's going downhill, mate. But Jimmy Hart is is supporting Sting. He wants Sting to beat Hogan for the belt. <laughs> and uh, oh, Hogan's got a brand new best friend. And he's oh look we got we got a uh, flashback of Macho Man and Hogan on the car, on the set of Baywatch. He's basically trying to make Sting jealous for not being in Baywatch or Thunder in Paradise. Yeah, Stir, well, he's stirring the pot. He's he's saying that Hogan 
drifts from one friend to another. It's funny how all of these things we hear hills like Hart and Heenan say would would pay off so much when Hogan did join the NWO. Yeah. Art imitates life as Hogan switches friends. Sullivan's banging on about something. Yeah, I was going to say, Sullivan's not saying much at all. Jimmy Hart had a good promo there, but... Hart's really underappreciated. If you've got a manager, why do you then have the wrestler doing a promo as well? Mean Gene has literally just asked him, what's your point? Mm. I would react more, but Gene did this more than you would realise without watching these on a binge. Gene would walk guys through, he'd give them a hard, that was a hard nudge in all things considered. Uh, He did that a lot. He would basically drive those interviews and interviews don't do that anymore. I love the fact he called them two biggest pieces of human garbage he's ever met in his life. Kevin Sullivan tried to kill him and Jimmy Hart just laughed. Brilliant. The uh, the Poochie rule continues as Heenan rants yep. about Hogan. Well, the thing, you know, the thing is, when you're the champion, you've all you know the the old analogy is you've got the target on your back from everyone. But um, it it's more it, this seems in moderation. About, yeah, this seems to be more about Hogan as a person than Hogan as a champion. It's it's not pushing the title; it's pushing Hogan. Yeah, and. Mongo's chiming in with the stereotypical you're the hill commentator and I am drastically against everything you just said. Such a such a hackney dynamic even in nineteen ninety five. And they're still trying to recreate it now. Yeah. Okay, so we're meant to have Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair, but we've got Disco Inferno's music instead. And here comes Disco. He's got a C D. He had do you remember CDs? I do. I wonder if his album has been digitised, because I'd love to find it. Ah, here's Eddie's music. It's another Nitro with Eddie Guerrero. Here comes Mr. Nitro indeed, I told you. But, you know, if you've got a TV show like this, you want to establish someone as a as a marquee guy, put him on TV every week. Don't get me wrong, he's, yeah. not, he's not Sting, he's not Flair, he's not Hogan, but you stick this nexus of guys on TV every week, they're going to get bigger reactions than the DDPs and so, who are rotating on and off once a month. Yeah. Now, this is going to be interesting. Considering last time out, we had Sting and Dean Malenko, and, you know, we knew what the result would be, but we didn't know what the match would be like. This is a similar thing. What is this match going to be like? Because I would imagine Flair will give Eddie Guerrero plenty of, of opportunity to shine. That The only basis I can offer to help with this is that I oh, believe I oh Fl- maybe in... it doesn't matter Flair's in street clothes and Brian Pillman is with him dressed to wrestle oh. Swerve, so we might be getting Brian, yeah, Brian Pillman instead which which won't be exactly be terrible terrible no. thing to happen but you know what I was going to say was is that Flair and Guerrero actually had a match on I want to say Bash at the Beach 96 maybe or was that Conan? That might have been Conan. But around that time, early NWO, Flair and Guerrero fought in a pay-per-view. Um, I have to figure out which one it was exactly. Uh, and they, they just didn't mesh. It was a clash. So that would have been my basis. That's the only meeting between two I can recall. Yeah, Flair's on the mic. Flair saying that he was he there was a mistake that someone thought he was going to wrestle Eddie Guerrero. Basically, he he's letting Brian Pillman have the others <laughs> pounding you through the mat. Hogwild '96 Flair Guerrero, oh. and I recall it just not being as good as it should have been. Flying Brian's looking after Flair's leg work. 
and he'll he'll hold the jet. That is like if if you were to try and create a Ric Flair promo using a soundboard of various <laughs> recordings, that is like Captain Holt of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Get some, get some. People who watch that show get that. Everyone else will be what the fuck, but but yes, that was a Ric Flair soundboard promo. Oh, Bischoff's just said there's don't flip back and forth. There's a com- it's a commercial on over there. An action here. Disappointed it's taken him this long to get in a dig at the opposition. It's like the <laughs> second match. Oh, beautiful drop kick from Guerrero. He was just so fucking good, wasn't he? Yes. And we've established because he is on every week, we've had plenty of chance to discuss why, but a lot of the time it's because of his work against a wild range of opponents, some of them very inexperienced, yeah. but Pillman is someone who will more than keep up with him, so this is very interesting. Oh, nice. Guerrero goes for a top rope cross body block. Pillman catches him, intercepts him with a drop kick, and then kind of salutes to the crowd like he used to in his babyface days, but I think he was taking the more, but. It's kind of fitting because when he first did that, my initial reaction was, I can't believe he's pulling off his best babyface moves when he's turned heel. So maybe he was, you know, lampooning it. I don't know. Sorry, his redress balance by biting Guerrero in the face. That's more like it. Yeah. Choking him in the ropes. So they're back to uh, Heenan's talking about Hogan again. With a little bit of Ric Flair interspersed. He's he's sticking with the hits. <laughs> this match has slowed down a little. See, see he, Heenan has followed Jimmy Hart and he's the second person to try and involve Randy Savage in this situation that indicates that there might be a bit of multifaceted which I welcome I like seeing how you see that in a lot of TV dramas where it won't just be white hat black hat there'll be you know four or five various forces or odds so it'll be interesting to see if Savage gets involved I mean, it's completely vile, considering we're heading into a pay-per-view where the main event is everyone versus everyone for the the vacant title. It makes complete sense. Of course, I was saying earlier that Hogan's a champion. Hogan isn't the champion. He's been stripped of the belt. It was the giant, or well, it was the giant that got the belt, didn't get the belt, was stripped of the belt. Yeah. To be fair, I didn't pick up on that earlier either. I'm completely out of the loop. Yeah, there is. They're talking about Hogan rather than the belt because there is no champion right now because it's been nicely set up for World War Two next next week. Was no, that was in World War Three. Thirty nine to nineteen forty five. Yes, World World, World War Three is during the nineteen thirty nine nineteen forty five conflict with Germany. During the war, but that's yeah, two that, TV references. World War Three is. Is the pay per views next week? I believe on this, isn't it? It's the this is the last nitro. Oh, is it? I, I thought we might have had. Well, I'm going to double check that. This is what happens when we go two months without an episode. I know. We need a fix, Dean. Need a fix, straight in our veins. I'll check. Well, uh... no, this is November twentieth, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, November 26th pay-per-view. Of course it would win, because there's actually no other Sundays in November. So, yeah, so, yeah this was the this was the uh, the last Nitro before this the pay-per-view. This is the go-home, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah. So, in, in four months' time, when, we, when we're when we able to do another watch-along, it'll be <laughs> yeah. really interesting with the year fallout. Oh, that was a nasty spill. Mm, that's why you don't often see suplexes from the apron to the floor. It's usually the other way around. Pillman's now going up to the top. Guerrero's leaning on the barriers. You know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, Pillman goes into the rail. Well, actually, Dean, I have to point out that wrestling's evolved now to the point where in the 21st century, the bump's all done just on the apron. 
Because oh. why, why the fuck not? You may have noticed I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Beautiful plancher from Guerrero from the top rope over the ring post, over the steps, onto Pillman. Crowd are popping. Crowd and I are up for it. This has revitalized the crowd. Pillman's begging off in the classic heel move. Are you sure Ric Flair didn't wrestle this match after all? <laughs> Everything Pillman has done, especially the uh, mid-air dropkick, that's a Ric Flair favourite. And the uh, he took that bump on the guardrail and then took a flair flop bump straight on his face. Beautiful brain buster from Guerrero. He's calling for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Pillman's up. Oh, Pillman falls into the ropes. Guerrero crotches himself. So we're all going to get a superplex, maybe. Pillman's taunting. That's at least one thing. He's re- he's wrestling like a babyface, but he's remembering to throw in the, the taunts and the, and the gloats. Oh, Pillman thrown off the top, right in position for the frog splash. Hooks both legs, one, two, three, all over. Guerrero wins, and the crowd love it. That built nicely for a TV match. Not a lot, much, not a lot of time. That built nicely. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Dean. It was because I was a sporadic viewer. I didn't watch religiously in chronological order when, especially when it came to Nitro. I'm learning for the first time here just how well-promoted Eddie Guerrero was early on. It, it, it makes the lack of promotion around, say around 97, 98, would have been the time to really bump him up, especially after the NWO storyline like reached his, its natural finish. Would have been the best time for the Guerreros, the Ravens, the Bookerties to come up. And watching this early stuff makes you wonder... They probably could have done it sooner than that. He, he is over with the fans. They like him. And like you see, all he needs are some high-profile victories, you know, and, and, and he'd be on his way. Yeah, everybody sings the praise of his work, and rightfully so. But promotionally, WCW hardly put a foot wrong on these first 12 Nitros. No. You could make a... Other than... Like the obvious, the Hogan's and that, he's the best promoted member of the roster. Next up, Hulk v. Big Bubba. Oh, so I don't think the good match streak is going to last here. Battle of the Deaders. <laughs> Can't say that. Sorry. But keep saying it, I'm joking. But... <laughs> Well, I think things would get pretty morbid if we actually refer to everyone who wrestles dead as. I, I did once upon a time on one of the one of the old WWE video games many many years ago, where you could create a title belt, and I created the Deaders Championship ah. with a, with a Grim Reaper with a scythe taken off the Undertaker's gimmicks. And uh, it, the rules were that it could only be competed for by re- dead wrestlers on the game. Because obviously the uh, roster is only going to grow. Interesting. And a definite precursor to your inevitable background check. Yeah. As, as soon as this goes live on our website. There's a man making a very strange face at the camera there, considering he's a grown man. But at least he doesn't have WCW Nitro painted on his face letter by letter. True. Oh, here we go. This is... Uh, we're looking at Savage. That's Savage with the big uh, big elbow. Oh, that was Savage v. Meng with the last, Savage last TV week. match. So yes. this is handy because that... of the gap for us. This is yes. actually a welcome recap. Yes. But this was um this was the Randy Savage um TV match paint by numbers and Luger with his pinstripe workout gear yes glorious when you've uh, when you got a workout at one but uh, an executive meeting at two that is so fucking nineties <laughs> <laughs> oh 
gloriously 90s. But yeah, they basically all ganged up and put a number on him. It makes yeah. it makes Savage the the underdog favourite for World War Three. If you think about it that way, I won't spoil yeah. anything. But uh, obviously they're gonna they're gonna throw a few complications up before the pay per view with this yeah. main event. And and also that Nitro was um, where they for some for a reason that we were never able to establish they recorded. They went live with one and recorded another episode of Nitro, and they basically did it in the wrong order. So they yes. recorded they recorded episode eleven, and then they went and did episode ten live. Yeah, because WCW. Because WCW. That's why we named it this. I was scratching my head over that. Anyway, here comes Big Bubba Rogers with maybe the greatest generic heel wrestling theme ever. Check that one out on YouTube if you don't know what I mean. Was this used for a multitude of people? It probably was, but I think Bubba Rogers probably got the most mileage out of it. But I love generic hill themes. Just just guitar riffs that tell you this is a bad dude. Why would you put any more effort into a hill wrestling theme? Yeah. Here comes Hawk Wrestling Singles because Animal's still collecting his insurance. Hmm. Did they have a bit of a lover's quarrel as well? I don't know. Oh, they did. They they fell out, I think, um, when they left WWF. In because 19. of the insurance and then Hulk carried on wrestling as the Power Warriors? Power Warriors with Kensuke Sasaki. Did yes. you see the fucking mullet in that bloke in the crowd? Yeah, I bet these two both have hair envy. <laughs> that was the most amazing mullet I've ever seen. These guys are starting fast, and um, Bubba's in bumping mode. Yeah, hopefully this will be uh, this will be a crash bang wallop, you know. Norton Shark Part Two. Yeah. Well, that served its purpose, as you said, Liam. That did, you yeah. know, that was you didn't want it going any more. You didn't want it being any more complicated than that. Well, I'd I'd put Rogers in the same category as a, a Norton or a. John Tenter. Hawk, I don't really want to watch in singles, but confident he could sprint. So if this is a sprint, then happy days. Now, he dropped something, and then he placed something in his pocket, and he's now, I think, going for that again. Has he got some sort of foreign object in his hand? Did you see the zip on the costume, Dean? Did you see the zip on the monster costume? The The zip on the werewolf? Yep. Well, I'm not sure what's happening here. Unless, unless there's a foreign object that will come into play at the end of the match that fell out of his pocket at the beginning. Well, I don't know. Or he just had a couple of painkillers on the go, you know, just like a couple of road pills to take. So that's just as morbid as your dead does, isn't it? <laughs> We're going dark today. Making up for yeah. lost time. That yeah. said, the, f- the first Nitro watch along had Jimmy Savile references, so we've set the bar suitably low. Uh, the commentators have noticed the thing, whatever fell out of his pocket as well. Whip off the ropes into a bear hug. This this has gone back to the basics, hasn't it? You can see that moment in time where they should probably go for the finish. But he wasn't in the uh, bear hug for long. No, spine so... buster. Hawks back down. Mongo is fucking awful. <laughs> By the way, is it still coming up on your subtitles as Mango? Every now and again. Ah, oh, it's just teasing you with the occasional reference. Yeah. But it did uh, did say that this was uh, this show tonight was going to be a bum burner. Pump. They should go headfirst into the food theme and have uh, the other commentator come up as Eric Biscotti. Hmm. Or, or just Eric Biscoff, you know, the uh, little coffee biscuits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, clash of heads, they're both down. 
Bischoff's back into desperate salesman mode. Yeah. Would you buy a used car off Eric Bischoff? I don't think I'd buy a pencil off Eric Bischoff. Would you buy a pay-per-view off <laughs> Eric Bischoff? Oh, Hawk went for the top rope clothesline. Bubba just sidestepped and drilled him into the mat face first. They nearly tripped over each oh, other here doing we go. that. He's got, he's got whatever he's. Yeah, oh, he's going to tape his fist. I remember this. Goal of quarters, I think, isn't it? He. Oh no, ta- oh, he's taping the fist, and he ran a gimmick like this for a while. I think he feuded with Duggan and had a taped fist match. Oh, speak of the devil. I just. <laughs> Well done, Liam. Roll, yeah, it is, I think it was a roll of quarters taped to his fist. Potentially, and yeah. Because he's knocked himself out by landing face first on his own fist. And mm. you wouldn't do that just from a taped fist. No. That was really weird. You just said about Duggan, and literally as soon as you said Duggan, he appeared in, on my screen. Well, it and turns out the reason I associate the taped fist shenanigans with... Uh, with a feud with Duggan is because per- perhaps it was the only feud he did it on. Maybe it was only with the Rogers hacksaw thing that we saw that with. But yeah, that's, that's where yeah, that's where the roll of yeah you can see there it's a roll of, it's a roll of quarters that came out of his pocket yeah. on the replay. So between them going a bit too long and getting a bit knackered and flustered, they're nearly tripping over each other at the end of the match. They should have just done half the length and done the sprint. If you're doing that finish, you might as well. Uh, between that and, yeah, them blowing it with all the quarters spilling everywhere, that that wasn't good. And, of course, in true WCW fashion, they put the ricket on the replay. Yes. WCW production, the finest in the world. Oh, here we go. Oh, it's going to be... It will go down in 1995 as the hottest match on television. And it will go down in 1997 as the biggest blown opportunity ever. Now, I hasten to add that around about this time, we had the Owen Hart-Shawn Michaels match. Oh, Where Shawn Michaels collapsed. Yes. Shawn Michaels collapsed in the ring, playing off post-concussion syndrome and playing off when he legit got beaten up by those Marines for being a bell-in. Back when we used to just play off post-concussion syndrome like it was a yeah. like it was a giggle. And a gimmick, yeah. Here comes Sting. His hair's a bit darker and it's getting a bit longer. Yeah, isn't it embarrassing? It's embarrassing so, that he's actually doing the shades of grey don't trust anyone thing that Hulk Hogan's trying to do desperately with just a subtle couple of cosmetic changes and the odd little hint in interviews. He's doing it better than Hogan is. Yeah. And his, his hair's growing. Do you remember he then got to that awkward in between stage where his hair was getting long for the, for the crow. But yeah, the commentators have pointed out very interestingly here that sting is wearing red and yellow to further rub it in Hogan's face. Stemming from what we were just discussing. Yes. Mind games, Dean. Because, of course, we know Hogan's not going to be wearing red and yellow. There's a sign there that says Sting is the big dog. You listening, Roman Reigns? Probably not, because he would have been, what, 10? <laughs> yeah. He'd have been watching WWF. He would have had family members on... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe they only started injecting the Kool-Aid into him when he signed a developmental deal. Mm. Maybe he had independent thought once upon a time. You can't rule these things out. Rebel against the family and watch WCW. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sunday, November 26th, just to confirm what we found out already. Yep. Not a bad... Oh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're still blowing this on TV, but it's a big go-home match. Hogan and Sting. Still got his old American-made music. Well, he he spent so much of their budget on getting a Zorro mask and a sword, they couldn't afford to make any other changes to reflect his character. Very true. Here's Savage with his arm in a sling, wearing black and white. 
giving Goldberg the idea for his entrance by running through some pyro. Yeah. Well, I hope um, I hope Cody Rhodes' dog isn't here. No, that was uh, uncomfortable. Yes. Has he actually apologised for that? They just said that the pyro wasn't meant to go off at that point. No. I don't think we've actually had apology. I think it, whatever the situation, um, you know, he doesn't strike me as a sort of person to to be reckless or malicious with his dog. You've got to come out and eat crow. You've got to say sorry. You've got to be a oh. responsible owner. Hold <laughs> on. Zorro Hogan. Zorro he just... Hogan. Fresh from the, fresh from the, the S&M club. <laughs> He just did the most geriatric hop in the guardrail I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this is this is Hogan's midlife crisis, this isn't is, it? This is better than the New World Order. This is just... I'm sure it's terrible at the time, but... And he's he has and, done that sn- sneak attack tactic to just tap him on the shoulder and say, Hello! Yeah, not smack him from behind, just to tap him on the shoulder. Yeah. I'm I'm hooked. I am hooked to this disastrously bad section of Hulk Hogan's career. Are some people in the crowd shouting shouting Hogan sucks? Probably. But the crowd are molten for this one. It's understandable because not only is it two huge stars, but the the intrigue, the suspense of seeing them square off is huge. It was always going to be whenever they squared off. And it's it's a bit of a testament to the company that they were able to recreate it with the evolution of their characters after the NWO mm. debut. Oh, yeah. By Starcade 97, there were two completely different characters. Both of them were. As much as we shit on them for running this match on TV, at the end of the day, they were able to to put it back in the bottle and re-release it. So, fair play. Plus, yeah, plus you know that you know, this is going to have a hooky finish. It's Nitro. Oh, yeah. But the... Unlike Starcade 97, which had a really good clean finish, obviously. But although it's impossible to know these things unless you're actually going through it, I would hazard a guess that if I was a guy in my situation when I was younger who was flicking between the two, I wasn't. I'd have to watch them on a delay over here in England. Uh... If I was flicking through, I'd, I'd struggle to pull away from this one because it's it's just so interesting to see these two go at it. Especially, I mean, we've seen Hogan do these weird hill promos, but he's wrestling like a hill. He's not he's not oh, cheating. Yeah. Not that you'd notice a difference because he cheated as a fucking babyface all the time, but he's he's. Sorry, go for it. Do you know what? I think you're the better better guy to explain. He, he is selling like a heel. Yeah, and he's his, got the heel his, steps, hasn't he? Yeah, his his body language, his facial reactions, his physical reactions, yeah. Even there, he's like where he's hooking Sting up for a suplex, he's looking at Sting with disdain. Mm. This this is this is like the the dry run of NWO Hollywood Hogan, absolutely. He's he's looking for something new he's looking to refresh things because we know that uh red and yellow was was outstanding it's welcome it got like a little resuscitation because he jumped ship to wcw and that didn't last long after that but um it's only now wrestling as as a heel that it looks like it might have legs because the promos were just so hokey and so, as we always pointed out, he'd he'd dress in black, but like so many other things would be the old Hulk Hogan still, that you couldn't get into it, you couldn't get behind it. But at the moment, it's, and the reason why I deferred that to you was like the, the little things like he, he would be the one who's throwing the first punch and then having a clothesline duck and then taking the, the, the bump on his back. And, you know, I, I describe these things, though there's probably much better ways of putting it that, that guys who put these matches together will, will know. But it's very subtle, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, the weird thing is, just think about this. At the, at the time, when Hogan turned heel, it came as a genuine surprise. But looking 
back at this in hindsight, you know, six, nine months before the big bash at the beach hill turn. And this, you know, this is, as I said, this is the dry run of Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, the, the, the we character. Never, we we never spotted it at the time. No. We never spotted it at the time. The character work is just cringe. But now he's actually this is this is the first time he's wrestling in this in this whatever this character is. He doesn't know if it's Hillwood Tween or anything. Because obviously yeah. he's still waging war with the Dungeon of Doom per se, but he's also yeah. just like slagging off his friends randomly and then suddenly deciding, oh no, uh, the macho man's alright because we had yeah. that touching moment in California with a hobo. With the trip, with the trip, yeah. yeah. But even even the the selling of the armory just a moment ago was 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 a heel sell. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like I, I don't know if this is a fair analogy, but you think like dancers left and dancers right, like go who goes to the left and who goes to the right in a dance, and if mm. you could see that to be the face and the heel with all the little things a, a baby face does and all the little things a heel does, this is. This is essentially what he's doing. It's, it's basic stuff, but to see Hulk Hogan doing that is interesting and draws you in. And it's no wonder when he did full blown, just absolutely turn on everyone and the fans. We had promo. It's no wonder that it's still considered the best ever. Mm. Just seeing him work the heat session on on Sting is I can't take my eyes off of it. I think the whole thing with the Hogan heel turn in 96 wasn't, and that promo wasn't so much what he was saying, wasn't even how he was saying it. It was just who was saying it. It was the fact that Hulk Hogan had turned heel. I remember, as I've said before in this podcast, mm. you know, casual, well, friends of mine at university, I was at university at the time, and friends of mine who weren't wrestling fans, but, you know, were casual acquaintances of it were literally dro- jaws dropping in shock when I said, when they would walk in, I had a nitro on, what's this? Oh, Hulk Hogan turned bad. And it's like, Hogan's a baddie, what? You know? Oh, wait, that that was a really cool, sorry to interrupt, that was a really cool spot, actually. Stinger mm. nailed a Stinger splash, or so we thought. He actually got caught in a bear hug. I, I like that. I've not seen that as a counter before. Yeah. But then the big boot to the face went into the guts rather than the face and Sting's dropped to his knees rather than fall flat on his back. I wonder if that was meant to happen or if it was a ricket. And he's he's having a bit of a go at the fans. Obviously, he's not for... He's, he's almost like, you want to cheer this guy? This is this reminds me of John Cena at One Night Stand. This was also, That was also the worst but the worst running elbow I've ever seen it missing by a mile. But yeah, Hope Cena... Senior at one night stand was an interesting one. Yeah, Hogan's promos and his attempts to be cool were uh, cringe, but you know, a man with his experience at the highest level clearly knows how to talk in the ring. Bischoff literally must have Raw on a screen next to him because he's just said that there's adverts on with the other guys and we're keeping here with the action. He he was reputable for that, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Loads of people uh, tattled on him about that. Who who were, people who would know from like TV tapings at the time said that yeah he definitely had it on. Mm. Sting's now working on the leg. Hogan is down. I think he's going for. Uh, oh, he's not going for. Yeah, I think he's set, setting him up for the Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Crowder up. Savage wondering what to do. Sting has got Hogan in the death scorpion death lock. Not a million miles from the ropes, but but not near, not too close either. Hogan it, now now Hogan's trying to hulk up. It's weird seeing Savage being just a vanilla Hogan cheerleader. Mm. It completely contradicts the. St- the somewhat convoluted story they've been trying to tell in recent weeks with all the superpowers not not completely trusting each other because of what Luger did. 
Okay, so now we've got old school Hogan hulking up, but the crowd aren't. Look at them. The crowd aren't. They're aren't booing. Into it. They're not I buying can, it. I can hear boos. So can I. And that's that's not necessarily to to shit and on cheers, Hogan. Cheers as well. People yeah. are cheering along with the punches. But there's audible boos for sure as well. Definitely, yes. Now we have the big boot, but he's not gone for the leg drop yet. Now he's going for it, but oh, he's, he delayed the leg drop because his leg's in a bad a bad way from the work that Sting's done on his leg. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't think they're rejecting Hogan by Boone either. They they want this. They want to see Hill Hogan. And they've just given them eight minutes of action uh, to reinforce what they want. They want more of it. Hogan was virtually putting himself in the Scorpion Deathlock then. He's right near the ropes. He's grabbing onto the referee rather than grabbing for the ropes, which is very odd. There must be a bit of stink. Oh, the Dungeon of Doom. Here we go. I told you it'd be a hokey finish. The Dungeon of Doom have run in. They're beating up both guys. The bell rings. It's a DQ. There we are. Yeah. As a kid, I would have been all over that. I, I can't lie. I was, there, was so, there was something gravitating about that match. And now... And now they're, they're fighting together against the Dungeon Doom, and here comes the Giant. Hogan and Sting are left in the ring. The Giant is now in the ring as well. Oh... Is he going for a double choke slam? Here comes Savage. <coughs> he could barely swing the chair because his arm's fucked. I like that. Oh, he's oh, going to pay for it. Yeah. I'll notice how Hogan gets out of the ring rather than to get <laughs> a chair rather than saving Savage. Foreshadow. Yeah. Oh, he's here. He's here with Sting. Yeah, he'd gone out to get the chair. Ah, gotcha. He went, he left the ring to get the chair whilst whilst Savage was being choke slammed. Yeah, you give up a pawn or two to take the queen. That's chess for you. <laughs> <laughs> like Gordon Soli used to say, human chess at its finest. I wouldn't say finest, but but well, I I, yeah. I wonder if Bischoff, while keeping one eye on the opposition. I'm wondering if Bischoff saw that match and, and figured he could maybe revisit it in a better situation and make money off it, which he did. You have yes. to wonder. Right, so we've got we've got Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Well, Sullivan's trying to manhandle Bobby Heenan, who thankfully has managed not to swear on live TV this time around. That's because they're not touching his neck. Yes, true. They're just screaming incoherently about no one can stop the giant or something. And this is now Eric's last minute of the uh, program is for Eric. Eric to shill the uh, World War Three pay-per-view. Well, what, what would you say? Is that a thumb, thumbs up, thumbs down? I'd say it's a narrowly a thumbs up for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked three of those matches. Yeah. Uh, we aside from Bischoff being a bit over the top with his watch us, don't watch the other guys, and aside from Mongo being the drizzling shits, uh, yeah. they did a really good job of promoting the pay per view, which is important. Uh, and yeah, as I said, that that Sting Hogan, I wasn't completely conscious of his existence. If I was aware at some point in the past it existed, I'd forgotten about it. And for all the things I slate about Hogan's midlife crisis, and there were several things that were off within the match, the the match itself, and just watching Hogan work dancers left rather than dancers right, as I as I said, um, was so intriguing. And as far as like television go, you think of t- up TV dramas and things you'd watch. You think if you do you want to keep watching? Can you take your eyes off it? And I couldn't take my eyes off most of that. I enjoyed it. No, that so, was a, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a good show to me. Uh, I would have sacked Rogers versus Hawkoff completely. But 
we yeah. didn't get that luxury. You take that away and you've got nothing to complain about in the big picture. Cool. Well, there you go. That is that is episode 12 of Monday Nitro uh, in the bag. Um, yes. I don't know what, what we... Oh, we, um, we also had, um, just because WCW, we had a dark match TV title match. So TV title match, not on TV. Yeah, I, I would extend the joke on that one, but I feel like it's not the first time they've done it. it so. it's, it's certainly not, and it won't be the last. We might, um, yeah. So um, next week we have... Um, we have uh, we've got the 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 WCW World Television Title on television. Plus, um, we've got a main event of Luger and Sting v Anderson and Pillman. Oh, so that'd be good. Now, yeah. just before we go, just want to read you something out. This we received this uh, an email, a private message on Facebook on our, our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash because WCW um, from a listener and. We, we, we asked him, we got his permission. Um, I just wanted to read this out to you because we do we do this podcast mainly for, well, for just as something that we enjoy doing. And, yes. and, you know, it's one of those things that if other people enjoy it, then that is an added bonus and it's very much appreciated. And we had this message. Um, I'll read that to you. It says, hi, I hope you don't mind me sending this. It's not business related. Simply telling you how I feel about your podcast. Uh, I'm 51 soon, so of an age where WCW was an important part of my earlier wrestling life. I don't know if this makes sense, but I always felt WCW was colour, especially after Nitro started, whereas WWF uh, was black and white in comparison. Um, yeah, I looked a little and scratched my head at times, discussed with friends how it could have been better and what didn't work, but I loved it. In the last couple of months, I've been quite unwell, waiting on results of various medical tests for a pros- prognosis. I got thinking nostalgically, and WCW kept coming to mind. I reread the brilliant Brian Alvarez book, then discovered your podcast. I've become, um, excuse me, I've become addicted. You gentlemen, your guests, are absolutely compulsive listening for me. It may be escapism, but I don't care. I'm happy to escape. In the space of a few days, I've listened to 25 of the podcasts so far and turned Effusion brought WCW into a Kindle book that I read whenever my eyes allow me to. Basically, this is a very long-winded thank you for making a difficult and stressful time a lot more bearable and probably stopping my family from suggesting euthanizing this grumpy old fucker. Um, and yeah, that absolutely warmed the cockles of our collective hearts and just wanted to say um, the pleasure is, well, you're, you're, entire, you're, you're absolutely welcome. We love, um, we, we love things like that to hear from people. So, um, Paul, thank you very much for your message. Um, we really do appreciate it. Thank you for your support, and please do keep listening. On that uplifting note, I think that would be a good time to, uh, to wrap this one up. So uh, this has been episode number, what was it, 38. We'll be back with episode 39 very soon. We've still got a few guests in the pot. Yeah, we'll um, see you in three months, everyone. <laughs> Fingers yeah. crossed that won't be the case. We've got time. We've got lost time to make up for. Yes, um, but you can catch us. Please do follow us on Twitter at twitter.com or at uh, forward slash because W seven at because W seven on Twitter or as I said, facebook.com forward slash because W seven. Hopefully, we'll be back very soon. In the meantime, on behalf of Liam Hat, this has been the Twisted Genius Dino saying, "I'll see you." Ringside.